This episode of Cool Moms is sponsored by Lalo. I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. 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 Hey, cool moms. So <laughs> have y'all ever felt like the main character in your own like rom-com or sitcom? Or better yet, have you ever made the conscious decision that you are going to be the main character in a scenario? This is something that I think I subconsciously do and have done for a really long time because because I like the drama. I love the narrative. I live for an experience because I live for a story. And sometimes that is so ingrained in my being that I don't even realize I am planting seeds, planting seeds for the juice, so to speak, right? So the other week I went out, I went to this kind of stuffy, whatever, branded event at these really rich people's houses in LA, (laughs) as one does when you live in LA. And I had realized that like in being there, you know, made my assessment of the crowd, made my assessment of the bar, made my assessment of the food to decide how long I was staying there and who I needed to connect with in order to make my 40 minute drive worth it. Okay. So couple of people I wanted to chat with, but there was one man in particular that I spotted from the crowd and he was easy to spot because it was like three black people there. (laughs) We were like the pepper and the bowl of milk. Uh, And I spotted him toward the end of the event like magnets, baby. We are zapped into each other. And now I am a cocktail and a half in. I'm out of the house without my baby. I've got on a fab dress, new shoes. It is, it's my moment. It's my scene. So I'm really, you know, solidifying myself as the damsel in this moment. We're chit-chatting and I realize that the man is flirting with me. And I, I guess I'm only actually caught off guard by this because he has a significant age difference from me. Uh, and I'm, I'm no, I'm no daddy chaser. <laughs> you know, I, older men have never quite been my thing, but in this moment, I'm like, this man's kind of sexy. We're vibing. He's obviously into me. So he kind of makes mention of another event that he's going to after this one. So again, y'all I'm in my main character mode. So I flip my, also, also, I think that these these bundles that I had in my head like really transported me into main character mode. So I flipped my bundle and I'm like, so are you showing me or are you inviting me? Right? Like, let's get to it. Of course, he's inviting me. So I follow him to this new event and I am just living my best life. I am nice and buzzy on a couple of free cocktails, but like not too drunk, but like fun buzzed. I'm fun buzzed. I'm looking cute and I'm ready to go just like bop around with this guy. And we're having a really good time. Like, you know, the conversation, the things we go to the next spot. I know people. So I'm able to like show my own social cachet. Like (laughs) you ain't the only one. All right. She's Elise. She's cool mom. She knows people. She's an artist. So I'm really feeling my beat, (laughs) y'all. This is (laughs) this is the narrative that is running through my mind because I am in a movie at this point. 
I'm not even there with that man or any of the players in the game. I am in my own world and everyone else is just living in it. So the, the night winds down and of course he wants to see me again. And of course this sounds fantastic. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm going out of town to Joshua Tree. Let's link up after I get back. And oh, we're going to get to Joshua Tree because, because, <laughs> let me not get ahead of myself. So y'all, I come home and I'm on a high. My friends are at the house. My friends are in town and I am just glowing like. And I'm still running through the mall with your motherfucking daddy. You, you can't tell me shit. I just met this like niche famous man who was really into me and I'm feeling like the belle of the ball and she's that girl. Now, listen, I didn't really come to this revelation that I like to play the main character until a good friend of mine wanted to burst my bubble and be like, pose the question, are you actually into him or are you just into the idea of him being into you? And I feel like this is probably one of the top two issues in millennial dating is that so many of us, self-included, we don't actually like the person. We don't really want to know them as a person. We just love the idea of someone mildly interesting and mildly attractive being into us. My ego was so affirmed in that moment and it got it all turned to shit, honestly, when I had to really start interacting with him outside of episode one, right? Like, I realized that he was just another silly man um, and I quickly had to cut it off. And that's really like the long and short of it. Uh, but it was a nice realization in, okay, girl, I am not one to... Because listen, this is what I told my therapist. I was like, I really want to give it a go, right? I really want to try to date. I've never been good at dating. I am a relationship girl or I am happily single. And quite frankly, I really like being single right now. But I'm also like, damn, how do I go from zero to 100 in terms of like single to married? Because that's that's my ideal. That's my happy place. I want to be singled and I single and I want to blink. And someone who is already in my orbit like confesses their love for me and we already know each other and we've established this foundation. And I'm like, oh yes, I love you too. Let's get married. So <laughs> that's my fantasy. <laughs> I don't really want to know a new person and their new quirks and their traumas and all the, oh, I'm bogged down by it. Anyways, I digress. So we're back to the drawing board on the whole dating bit. Maybe I'll have an update next episode. Maybe I won't because mama need to sit her ass down. I also need to sit down because I am not 20 anything anymore. And if there was ever a time that showed me, that humbled me to know that I'm not 20 anything, it is going to Joshua Tree with your friends that you've been friends with since your 20s and deciding that we should all do shrooms together because, duh, we're in Joshua Tree. Y'all, you know, it always starts out fine. I'm riding my little wave. I get into this amazing mode where I make the most, quite frankly, one of the top three meals of my life, coursed, 
beautiful spread. It was our friend's birthday. We were celebrating Scorpio season. It was fab. <sighs> now, like the, the, the thing about microdosing, right, is like it's no longer microdosing if you keep going back for more. And I kept going back from because I'm you you know you're you're chasing the high. We're riding the wave. We're all feeling good. We're dancing. We literally came with like strobe lights, disco lights. Mariah Carey is playing. You can't tell us we aren't the baddest group of thirty something singles you've ever met. Like again, all living in our fantasy. My fantasy quickly turned into a nightmare. My friend tells me the last thing she remembers me doing, I had baked this really wonderful cake and I dip my hand into the shroom powder and I take a nice big handful and dump it on top of the cake and then just eat the slice of cake and like give her a wink like, yeah, girl, let's keep going. Y'all. A few moments later. I lay down and you know that crucial moment where everything starts to spin and I'm trying to find an anchor to anchor me so that I don't spin off of the earth. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't find the anchor. I didn't find the anchor. I crawled into the bedroom. We're in this wonderful <laughs> rental and I climbed into this huge bed and then my mind starts going to the darkest places. And I have the the, the the remembrance, the realization rather that, bitch, you are a mother. You are someone's mother. And now you're going to die. You are, and that's literally how dark my mind went. I was like, this is it. This is it. I'm either never coming back from this or I'm going to die or the aliens are going to walk through the door. <laughs> <laughs> because it's Joshua Tree. Like, this is where all the extraterrestrials are. And these are the stories we were telling each other on our ride up to Joshua Tree. So I'm just like, one of three things is going to happen. None of them are going to turn out good. Who can help me? And if any of you all have ever been in this position, like, you get very specific on what is going to pull you out. And it was only my friend Michelle that I felt like could help me in this moment. If you've been listening to Cool Moms for a while, you know Michelle is my great friend that I was staying with over the summer in the thick of the pandemic. And it's just always my my ace. Listen, I'm screaming Michelle's name as best I can. I'm leaned over the bed. I know she's the only one that can save me in this moment. And I'm yelling, Michelle, Michelle. She comes in. She was like, oh, honey. And I was like, I think I'm going to be sick. I think this is it. She's like, I'm going to go get a bucket. Nope. Too late. Don't make it to the bucket. I don't make it to the bucket. I don't even make it to the toilet because I felt like aliens were in the bathroom. And I just vomit all over the floor next to the bed. But, you know, I immediately felt better. Um and then I pass out. And let me tell you what real friendship is, is cleaning up your grown ass friends vomit and tucking them in the bed and not making them feel like shit about it the next day. So shout out to you, Michelle. <laughs> I love you. I hope that the meal that I made was like made up for the vomit that you had to clean up later. Um, so, yeah, Joshua Tree, y'all. <sighs> I just never want to do drugs again, uh, ultimately. Uh, so yeah, 
that was my time in Joshua Tree. And I was quickly brought back to reality. Uh, And one of my potential biggest parenting fails to date. And that is a conversation that I had with Sergeant about death. Now, this came at me. I mean, quite frankly, this came at me faster than the shrooms did. I really didn't anticipate us discussing death at like three going on four. But here we are sitting on the sofa and I don't totally remember, but I know that he brought up the conversation about things dying. And so I'm like, well, yes, you know, my approach to parenting a lot of times is like, just be honest. If you live in your truth, if you share the truth with their, with your children, then they'll be able to like navigate life in honesty, which I think is one of the most powerful tools. So (laughs) Sergeant brings up death and I'm like, yeah, everything living dies. So he's like, like what? I'm like, damn, this motherfucker wants me to give examples. I was like, well, like plants, because I'm like trying to start light. I'm like, well, plants die. He's like, what else? I'm like, uh, uh, squirrels, animals, animals die. And he's like, what else? And then I was just like, well, fuck it. He wants to know. I said, people die. He said, like, mommy. I said, yep, mommy's going to (laughs) die. Why? (laughs) Why did I do that? But I take it a step further because I can never just leave well enough alone. I'm like, yeah, mommy's going to die. Daddy's going to die. One day you're going to die. And then y'all. He immediately that, you know, when the corners of the mouth start to turn and his lips starts quivering and he just starts yelling, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. <laughs> and that's when I knew I fucked up. That's when I knew I had gone too far in truth telling in my parenting. Like kids don't need it all at once. They don't need the, the full truth at once. They can stomach bits of truth at a time. So I please use that as a cautionary tale to when these difficult conversations come up. Yes, be honest with your children, but you don't got to tell them the whole truth. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm I, still kind of like <laughs> trying to forgive myself for that one and praying to God he doesn't bring up death anytime soon because I still have no idea what I'm going to say. Uh, on a lighter note, I did get one of the best, uh, videos from my son's teacher from school. And it was him teaching the entire class, including the teacher, a twerking tutorial, which was very detailed hands on the knees. But I knew he was a pro when he said, but you have to look back at it. Y'all. I mean, I don't know if you just had to see the video, but the video was hilarious. I'm like, maybe I fumbled the death conversation, but damn it, we got the twerking down. So (laughs) it's still a win this week in parenting. Uh, Speaking of a win, I'm so excited to talk to this just winning ass, beautiful person, mother. Up next, Sherry Dot. So I am really excited. We were just chit-chatting before I started recording, but I'm really excited because this does feel like a reunion with Sherry. See that welcome founder of Tude Beauty. Multi-hyphenate though. I kind of, 
I feel like I met you as just a really incredible person and also um, <laughs> um, a very sneaky, very good dancer. Also, <laughs> a sneaky dancer. I say sneaky dancer also just because I didn't know that you danced until I knew. Um, but it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I have to start off every episode with our inaugural question. My favorite kooky question. What is your sign? What does it mean to you? Yes. Yo, you're my type of woman. <laughs> it's like, you know, the astrology is my middle name. I'm very tied to like everything. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to answer it in maybe a different way than maybe some of your other. Please give me, give me oh. it all. Yeah. So I'm a Pisces sun, but I am a Scorpio rising and I am a Leo moon. And the reason why I say all three is I think uh, traditionally we've been sold this bill of goods of always looking at your sun sign, but knowing my sun sign and being a Pisces really kind of speaks to the creativity aspect of me for sure. And the dreamlike aspect of me. But as you get older, um, I've read that you become more aligned with your rising sign. And I really feel deeply connected to the Scorpio rising in me. Um, you know, I'm a Scorpio. I know. Yeah. I know. That's, that's why we vibe. Wait, this is, wait, I've never heard this. And we don't have to stay on it too long, but you know, like. Sure, stay on it. I've been. I've been doing more research on like the houses and all the things, the transits that are happening, the eclipse that's today. I want to talk about that. It's the reason why we came together. Okay. Tell me, tell me, tap in. No, no, tell me what, okay, tell okay, me good. what well, All I was going to say was this is interesting because I am a Scorpio sun, an Aries moon and mm. a Gemini rising. And I, <laughs> Uh, Gemini is such a it's such a fun and interesting and kind of dynamic and also um, polarizing <laughs> sign kind of like Scorpio, though, is what I found out. Um, but it, but, you know, I connected with my son's father, who's a Gemini. And I think back and I'm like, why did I do that? And I'm like, oh, yeah, because we vibe in this way. My mother is a Gemini. So I really enjoy Gemini energy. And it, but it's also something that's a bit elusive. And so something I'm trying to, like, tap more into. Um it's interesting, too, because I think as Geminis, they're such people people and like lead very outwardly. Uh, and I think it gets me in a little bit of trouble because I am a people person. I do lead outwardly. However, the Scorpio in me is like, <laughs> back up. Give me my space. Mind your business. You do not know me. And then the Aries in me is like, and I'll punch you. Fire. <laughs> Literally. Oh, Aries gets shit done. Yes. Yes. Very that energy. But I want to know what's up. Because I love the synchronicity of us getting together today. Yeah, so I mean, tell I thought, me. like when she sent me the dates and I was like, if Friday's option, let's do it. So um, this also is the last uh, eclipse in Sag for many decades. Um, so depending on how long you and I live, it may be the last one in our lifetime in this lifetime, um, which I also think is really interesting. So since Janu June 5th of 2020, since Gemini season, so it's interesting that you bring that up. Mm. Uh, we started the first eclipse in this Gemini Sag situation. Um, so if you really pay attention to what themes have emerged for you in the last 18 months, a lot of them are coming to an end or completion. And if you don't kind of have a uh, internal peace and resolution with that, they will come to haunt you later. 
Um, and I don't mean that in a forewarning or yeah. foreboding way. I mean it like, don't be afraid to take inventory of the themes that are coming up for you right now, mm-hmm. because those are trailheads for you to investigate, to do the further work. Yes. Um, and for me, I have in the last 18 months shed almost entirely every toxic relationship in my life. I have reinvented, I've shed every myth that has kept me down. And I have um, renewed and restored for the first time a relationship with self in a way that I didn't know was possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've also learned how um, I will never abandon myself for anything or anyone because this relationship with self and me trying to embody the concept of self-love, which I also think is like, a marketing propaganda that uh, <laughs> talk about society it. pushes on us talk to confuse about us it. sell us, you know, products. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really want to help people understand like, what does their self-love journey mean to them and for them and, and giving them the agency to go on that on their own. I'm really happy that we're touching on this because I have one, I'm in therapy and I've been in therapy before, um, but it felt like a really important time for me to start therapy a couple of months ago. And I think the the part of part of why I wanted to start therapy was I was in this job. I don't work. OK, first of all, I don't like to work. I don't really believe in work. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in, you know, following your passions and living in your purpose and that sort of thing. Oh. And therefore, you're never working. But life yes. responsibility as a mother, I was like, this is a sacrifice I need to make right now. I'm going to do it. I'm going to just do it. But I, it was, it facilitated an environment um, that really helped to excavate all of my self-doubt and worry and things that were kind of already similar, simmering below the surface. But I'm very blessed and fortunate that I typically move in spaces where people see me, they love me, they support me. Right. And so, right. But I got in this space where people did not see me, love me (laughs) and support me. And I was like, oh, so when I don't have all of this love around me, what are the thoughts that are invading? How am I feeling about myself? You know, and that's what started to come up. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Your job didn't do this to you. They're creating an environment for the truth to kind of surface. But like this stuff has already been here. So I really have been when they say like doing the work is difficult. Oh, hardest thing we can do. It's that setting boundaries, really loving myself in a in a real way, like loving myself to where I hold myself accountable. Yes. Because that's really what it is. Because like you said, speaking to the the <clears throat> the view of self-care and self-love through this capitalistic lens is it's not putting on a face mask, right? It's having a hard conversation with a friend when they when they cross a boundary. You know, it's sticking to your word and being consistent about the things you said you were going to be consistent about. It's those things. It's me getting my ass up out of bed when I was drinking a beer. No lie. Last (laughs) night at nine o'clock and being like, girl, you said you were going to move your body every day this month and you have not moved your body. Get downstairs and do your little YouTube video and work out. And then I did. And I felt really I mean, I felt really good about it. I felt really kind of like schleppy because I drank a beer and then I worked out, but <laughs> I, I did it. So it's it's interesting because for me and what I've seen, I think I read something somewhere about your rising sign and 
what house it was sitting in. Don't like, don't like give yes. me lying. Right. Yes. But like, what does that bring up? And for me, the focus was career. And I was like a hundred and ten percent. My Is it in your ninth house or tenth house? I think my I th- ooh, I know I gotta go look. I, I I'm gonna tell no, you in a second. I wanna know because okay, I, I let actually me see understand astrology well. Ooh, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, but I've been going to see a Reiki master. Um <laughs> I've been listen doing doing the thing. She was like, "Girl, your chakra is blockage." Um, <laughs> like, I know, I know. Uh, okay, let's see. Well, no, that's in the fir- where was it? No, I I lie. It was I believe it's my eighth house in Capricorn that I was reading about. No, that's about pleasure and love. I actually don't have anything in my and, ninth and, and, and your next relationship. Oh boy, that's right. Not, e- to not even ready for that. Um, okay, but wait, before we get too far, what I do want to know is um, you were saying with like this lunation cycle and the solar eclipse, <clears throat> it bringing us back together for those, I don't know if I was recording before, but Sherry and I have had some nice, sweet, small but quality time together when I was living in New York. And so I'm really excited for us to kind of circle back because again, we are in much different, was I a mom then? Yeah. When I met you, you were not a mom yet. Okay. Well, well, yeah. Stuff has changed. I don't. I met you in 2017. I wasn't a mom. Yeah, I know. You weren't a mom. I don't think. Yeah. This is nice. And so, yeah, I'm curious about energetically what is going on today and kind of what does that mean? Mean for us in this conversation, but just also kind of what does that mean for you with where you're at right now in life? It's interesting when you were talking about something that really resonated with me is when you were talking about the privilege you have of walking in spaces where you're held in high regard and seen. I've had the polar opposite experience. I have normally um, permeated through life in spaces where I was never seen or understood. Mm. So that has created a, a tremendous uh, wound for myself, both from childhood and then also um, in my journey of becoming and trying to rise and trying to just like be integrated with like my lo- like my life's and soul's purpose, because you, as you may know, your birth chart is the contract that you have with the universe. The moment that you're born of what your life's mission is. Yes. And I have been trying to return home. I've been trying to get back on track because I think so much of my life was led astray given the environmental situations that I was put in. Um, And so for me, what's very exciting is I have rewild, I have reclaimed and I have rewritten my narrative and it's fully integrated with self, fully aligned with my birth chart. And it's like, I didn't come in this lifetime to play. Okay. I came in this lifetime to get a job done. And I'm like, eyes on the prize, know what I'm here to do. Oh. So that's just exciting is with this eclipse, it all came together where now a lot of the shedding that I need to do in order for me to self-actualize the next phase of my growth, all of that work has been completed. Ooh. And what, because obviously as a multi-hyphenate person and someone who is multifaceted and talented in so many ways, for me, my struggle has been, 
how do I hone in on that? And how do I know what is truly my purpose and what should I be pursuing wholeheartedly? And I think up until most recently between my psychic, the Reiki, the therapy, God, meditation, um, have I really feel like I've centered myself in that and I'm rooting myself in that. And for me, that was a much greater challenge than I ever thought it would be, was to make a choice, to see what it is and make the choice that I'm gonna go after it. Because then it's like, well, I can't make an excuse about failure because <laughs> I know what I'm supposed to be doing. What was that moment like for you and what are you going after? I have so much to say. Like, even when you talk, I'm like, I wanna talk about this. Um, Do it. <sighs> I also, I, I think one thing I want to offer is um, what people don't talk about when it comes to healing is healing actually hurts more than sometimes the actions that have been done to us. Absolutely. I want like the audiences to be aware of that. Please. Thank um, you. As things, because the healing in and of itself has this, like the, the definition of healing is like, we feel better, but oftentimes we feel a lot worse because we're coming into a, a spiritual conscious awakening. Mm. Um, for me, I think, uh, I also am very invested in, uh, creating a healing community for myself. That's helping me through this healing crisis. I get acupuncture done one to two times a week. I, um, I recently got into rolfing, which completely changed and transformed myself. Wait, what is this? Rolfing is um, essentially kind of like a hybrid of like a, a very deep massage that is excavating trauma from your fascia. Mm. Um, and as someone who's been a lifelong jock and dancer, um, you know, things trauma gets calcified and a deeply intuitive empath I feel things so deeply. So it does make sense that they, they were stuck inside of me. Um, th there's a 10 step series moving through all aspects of the body. I mean, even there's a session, the last session, they go up your nose, for example, like, like there's no crevice untapped, wow. put it that way. Um, but I have, since I started that process, which has probably been about a month I have seen in the last month how much I have never felt more powerful in mm. terms of um, my own belief in myself and knowing that I can manifest anything I dream. And that's no one can take that away from me. Isn't that a <laughs> it is so powerful because I very much feel like I'm entering that space as well as like if I want it, if I think it, if I see it, it can be mine. And it's the, the, there is so much power, but there's almost so much. Um, equally as much fear that can come along with that because you have to, again, be really rooted in what is going to serve me, what is serving my highest good. Am I asking for the right things? Am I aligning with the right things? And it can be something as small as I remember I had a thought recently about some work and I was like, man, I haven't heard from that company in a while. They should be hitting me up soon. The next day I got an email. Hey, and I was just like, Whoa, okay. 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 Or, you know, dating, which we can, we can get into later more, but dating, I'm like, I, you know, I would just like to, I want to have some fun. I want to meet you, maybe somebody more established. And then I did. And then boom, it was not what I was looking for though, because I wasn't specific enough because I wasn't aligned enough with like, what is serving my highest good? You don't want just some old man. <laughs> like, that's not what I really wanted. <laughs> 
I really understand and relate to that story. Um, So I, you know, with us talking about spirituality and being really tapped into spirit and spirit moving through us, I'm curious about how you grew up and if spirituality played this role in your upbringing um, or is if this is something that you found your way in your own path. I think both. Um, and I was going to, I was going to offer you one other thing. Please. I also do Akashic readings, which I don't know if I'm you up, have done up next. I haven't, but my Reiki master does Akashic healings okay. readings. And, and rather, uh, I do an Akashic reading every single Saturday. Like this is how invested I am, Elise between acupuncture, rolfing, Akashic readings, and then two hours of therapy each week um, with like a trauma specialist. Mm-hmm. Because that is what I, I realized something, that's what I need in order to help me navigate how much I am, not how little I am. That part, truly. Um, so when you're I- talking about you get it as a multi-hyphenate we have a lot of capacity yes. that maybe not everyone has and so as a result of that uh you know you can get a lot of shade thrown at you you get you the pushback from the world yes yeah but it takes it's like it's a almost a political act for us to show up in our fullness and our yes. wholeness and our creativity and to uh self-express in the ways that we want to Oh, I'm so happy that you said that because it is true. As a multi-hyphenate person, I I remember specifically having this conversation with this with this man um, that I was interviewing for a job for. I was pregnant. Yeah. I was like five-ish months pregnant. Had just come back from this incredible art residency in Canada. So I'm I'm on my high. I'm like, ah, <laughs> I did that. I was pregnant. I was in Canada alone, and I made this work, and I'm feeling great. And now I'm I'm like coming kind of coming back down to the earth and I'm in Brooklyn and I'm like again I'm about to be a mom I don't have a job maybe I should figure it out and we interview and so the interview ends up just being us shooting the shit he ended up living on my same block in Fort Greene we had like mutual friends so we're like chit-chatting I'm also trying to hide my pregnancy because I'm like this man is not about to hire me if I'm like five months pregnant And I'm just telling him about all of the things that I was doing for me and my pregnancy was incredibly important to stretch in that way. Let me Mm. do everything I can possibly do, because what if I can't do it after I have a baby? Right. Or what if I can't do it into the same capacity? So I, I was in a play. I went to this residency, like all these things that I just really wanted to do. So I'm sharing all of this with this man. And again, like that's about discernment. That's about like knowing who to, who and what to share what with. And I remember when I finished telling him about all of the things that I had done, he was like, well, you know, you can't do all of that. You know, you have to make a choice. You you can't sustain that. And I was just like, oh, and I, I felt myself get small and I felt mm. myself being like, oh, well, maybe he's right. You know, this man is more, you know, financially successful than I am. He has things that I don't have. He must know something that I don't know. And then, of course, you know, let's like couple that with the the vulnerability of being a single black woman who's pregnant. It's just like, (laughs) you know, I'm like feeling like pea size. But, you know, and this and then and he ended the the meeting with saying, um, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to give you this job. Right. You know, you're too talented to be here. I know you'll you'll quit. 
in no time. So I can't give you this job, but let's stay friends. <laughs> and so what, you just want to fuck me? You just want to look at me across yeah. the room? You Like, I'm not into that at all. Literally. And so that, I think that conversation stuck with me so much because for a really long time, I internalized that. And I was like, Elise, you have to grow up. You are someone's mother now. You have to make a choice. You need to focus on one thing and one thing only. And it was really up until now. I do believe that certain things need to give your more of your time and energy at different times and being able to recognize like, all right, right now this is I'm really honing in on this, but I can still do these other things as well. And it honestly, I think until probably this year, did I really kind of shed that idea that I'm just kind of a mess and I'm flailing if I'm doing all of this stuff, right? And trying to do all of these things. I feel like I want to give you big sister advice really quick. Like number one there, what you said earlier about like, how do you figure out what are the steps and the moves that you make and focus on to be aligned with your birth chart? My motto in life is experiment till it works, Mm. meaning there is no right way. And there is no such thing as failure. Quote unquote, failure is redefined failure as input. Mm. One input drives the next input. So one failure drives the next failure. I have failed more than anyone I know. And I love my fucking failures because they have driven me to my next action. Right. And I love that. I have like the balls to try shit and not be afraid to fail. That's what we should all be striving for. How can we teach in school the confidence to fail? Because the confidence to fail is the input. And then, and then do it again. Okay. And then do it again with that knowledge and also have the consciousness also not to repeat things that didn't help you. That's the key. Right. And so I just want to offer that to you because you don't have to have it figured out. I think so much in life I see in identifying people, they want to have like the perfect plan because we've also been conditioned to feel like perfectionism and reaching these certain milestones is the only way. And I'm, I'm a recovering perfectionist uh, and people pleaser. So I'm, I also saying it, I, I had drank that Kool-Aid myself when I removed that restriction for myself mentally Um, that's when I felt really comfortable experimenting in that way. And that's when the magic happens. I mean, I would never in my life thought that I would launch a beauty brand, but that was a result of me like trying out different things that honored, um, the various creative projects that I had in me Mm. and it all will be aligned. So the, if you keep doing it eventually will kind of come together. But if you sit back and you're trying to wait till like you're the perfect weight or you have the perfect resume (sighs) or you have the perfect job, like life will pass. And then you didn't develop those skill sets that you could have had from failing. Absolutely. Do you think that there was a particular failure or a moment in which you were failing that Tude was born from? No, Tude is actually a combination of my entire life, spiritually, uh, physically, uh, culturally, and also, uh, I think, just part of my creativity that was so locked in, um, but also very much tied to um, your first question, which is like, what's in your birth chart? I think I was really put on this earth to help people remove shame and insecurity um, and remove pain from themselves. I really think I'm here to kind of, um, 
deconstruct myself and kind of be very vulnerable. I'm, a, I'm unafraid of being vulnerable because that is actually one of the most powerful things about me that I can connect with myself and just um, be real. Yeah. I'm not afraid of, I don't need to conform to anyone. I don't need to valid, be validated by anything. Uh, I really validate myself um, and that's all I need. Mm. I think that's, that's going to resonate with a, a lot of people in it. For me, it really brought up like, yeah, what a simple but powerful, powerful point in your purpose on this earth. What does it mean to live in your purpose? For me, really honing in on that is in a similar vein. I think my purpose has been and is to one lead by example, to live in my truth, like wholeheartedly, because I come from a generation of women that could not. And so I think that's why I feel so inherently drawn to live loudly and without shame. You know, I feel so fortunate that shame is not something that I'm really plagued with. I got other Good. shit. I got other shit going on, but shame is not <laughs> shame is not one of them. Um, but also to really hopefully inspire and encourage and motivate other women to find and live in purpose, whatever exactly. that is. That is so incredibly important to me. And again, because I know that generationally, uh, I'm sure in many, many other lifetimes, either I could not and, and the women in my family could not. You know, it was always making sacrifices and sacrifices will have to be made, but I don't think your purpose should ever be sacrificed. So- that's and you know what we're both doing? We yeah. are both the breaker of chains, meaning not only have we inherited things, but we are all excavating them and breaking the generational cycle of generational trauma so mm -hmm. we can spare our, you know, our children and, and all the lineage after them and to send it down the line to say, we stood up so you didn't have to. You guys know my son Sergeant is a toddler now and I'd pretty much do anything to get him to sit still, even just for a few minutes, especially when I'm trying to get work done, record an episode, you know, the work from home drill. So the other day when I saw him coloring and reading in peace at his play table, I was shocked. I felt like I needed to come on here and tell you guys about the brand that makes his little setup. Lalo, which by the way is an acronym that stands for Love All Little Ones, is a brand I've been a fan of for a while now. It was founded by two dads and it really shows because they get what it's like to have like the best interests of your child in mind while still keeping style and identity beyond being a parent. Lalo makes products that are proud to own by putting the same care into every design as parents do into raising their little ones. Believe me when I tell you that their products are amazing. There's no doubt that if Sargent was still using a high chair, it would definitely be Lalo's. One of my favorite parts about it is that the Lalo high chair can convert into the same play chair that we use every day, and it pairs perfectly with their very, very cute play table. So that's little Sargent's setup right now. All of Lalo's stuff is well-designed, beautiful, and made with completely non-toxic materials. I've had the play kit for like two years now and it still looks good. The best part is that Lalo hooked up Cool Moms with a special offer you already know. So you guys can use the code COOLMOMS, all one word, for 15% off your first order on meetlalo.com. And trust me, trust me, you need to check out Lalo. I'm also working on a little something that I'm really excited about in partnership with the brand. So please stay tuned. 
Right. Yes. Because I, I couldn't, I couldn't dare fathom, um, Sergeant growing up with some of the burdens that I inherited. I'm like that. I can't let that happen. How, how has this kind of enlightenment in this path impacted how you mother? You know, I grew up, um, my family is Muslim, but I was never necessarily like quote unquote practicing also as an Iranian, I think, um, and being raised in this country, at least in my family, the Iranian culture, like superseded Muslim culture in my family. Mm. Um, but I had a very deep connection to nature, uh, who I really am the most connected with. Uh, I look at nature as my God, uh, mother earth. Um, and then my father and I would have very spiritual talks from as early as I can remember. Um, and so those were foundational seeds for me in terms of how I relate to my children of passing that forward. So it was very important that my children witness a woman that is unafraid to face the shame. It's interesting. We have so much in common and yet we also have such polarity between us. Like I love the, I've never actually met anyone that's like, I don't, I'm not plagued with shame. I'm like, that's amazing. At least like, I, don't want to hear me I'm like, I am plagued with shame um, and so because I wanted to spare them. I wanted them to see me face the, the hardest secret in my Pandora's box, which was having a unibrow and being mm. so ashamed of how hairy I was because my whole life I had spent code switching, shape shifting, becoming a chameleon to erase any aspect of my Iranian ancestry that was represented in the, my face and in my body, and then also in my behavior. So from like marrying a wasp and having these like waspy looking kids at first to then having my third daughter who was like my spitting replica, all of that was were mirrors for me to understand like how much of the trauma I needed to face that I was running from, because if they didn't witness me doing that, they will then follow in my footsteps. And um, at a moment in my life where I didn't love and value myself, I loved and valued them enough to know that I had to do better for them. So they were very much my muses and they still are today. But as a result of them allowing me to like face and open up Pandora's box, I always thought that like growing in my unibrow, I had slayed my dragon. Like I was like, yo, I'm good. Like, <laughs> yeah, this, is it. this is it. Meanwhile, growing back my unibrow was the door that opened for me to start like unpacking everything else. So it's been since 2017 when I grew my unibrow and actually now that I come think about it, if I think about that video of me and you, I didn't have a unibrow when I really? met you. No swear oh, it's a possibility damn maybe i met you in 2016. everything feels very blurry right now <laughs> i know we have to go back I, to, I remember i did an instagram post so i'll go back and look like, yeah that's how much you and i need to catch up um but anyway to, to go back i forgot sorry it's okay no no no, no. we were Wait, talking I, i'm like digressing from your original question but we're going where we need to be. The unibrow yeah. opened the door when we're talking about okay, kind of, yes. yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So growing back my unibrow opened this door for me. And so the next like beauty thing that kind of came up for me was like COVID hit. And I was then faced with like gray hair. 
um, and actually growing my gray hair in was harder for me than growing my unibrow in. Although I had 24 years of tweezing my unibrow and for 37 years having a lot of shame about it, the act of growing it back in wasn't as scary as I thought it would be, Mm. but allowing my grays to grow it through was one of the hardest things I've ever had to go with from a beauty side because it brings up age, yeah. it brings up sexuality and desirability. Right. It brings up like an expiration date. Mm. It brings up all of the myths that were sold in the beauty industry and told about um, how we should be and how we should look. Um, And then society also places their own judgment on that. Um, And so I had to unpack so much and I just sat with it. I just sat with it because I said, don't make any moves. The real work is not in grabbing a coloring kit to color the grays. The real work is to do the internal Mm. rewiring of your heart and brain to understand like why this is so uncomfortable for you. Um, I also gained a lot of weight over COVID because number one, I was building a brand and a business simultaneously and going through a divorce uh, that was very challenging Um, and living out here in Amagansett from New York city. So like my whole life was turned upside down, um, and not having any help it's COVID. So I'm like homeschooling three girls too. And so obviously exercise, I can't go to my soul cycle class that I used to, I couldn't, I didn't have my trainer and I'm stressed. So I'm going to eat. Yes. And I'm like, same, you know, that, it's like a, it's like the female right to pleasure. So, <laughs> so then I had to unpack my COVID curves and I understood how much like the way in which I had groomed my body was also tied to Eurocentric forms of beauty. There's nothing wrong with my curves um, that are very natural to me and my Iranian heritage, but I was made to feel like I needed to hate them. One, from the images that I saw on the media. And second, I think also from being a ballet dancer all my life, like my Mm. body shape was not quote unquote acceptable. Um, And then from there, I started to un- unpack. I like recently grew in my armpit hair. Yeah. Um, and that was the easiest thing for me. <laughs> uh, ironically, I had gotten my whole body lasered essentially in 2006. Yeah. Um, so I didn't think like it would grow back. And I had tried to grow it back before, but it never really looked right. And <laughs> I've, I haven't shaved under my armpits since October. And now that it's in, I'm like loving it. But what I find interesting with this one is how uncomfortable it makes other people feel. Really? About- even today, even today, like people get, are disgusted by it. (laughs) And I guess what I'm trying to tell you, Elise, is that unpacking every single, um, beauty standard that I was sold as a child or in this country or as an Iranian tied to Eurocentric forms of beauty, I'm looking at living my life as performance art. One, I am physically showing people a way to be by not adhering to the standards. And I think secondly, that was a trailhead. While it just looks visually like I grew my unibrow in, the connection to my journey of self-love and becoming is really what it's tied to. So it may look like the output is gray hair, but what that did is psychologically rewire me to truly love myself. Mm. 
gosh, so many, so many places to go from there. It's it's interesting because um, you know, being black and being black in America, especially now, I mean, we they're saying that the end of the BBL, BBL era is now, but I don't think so because what? what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about we haven't even started yet we haven't even started but you know it's about wanting the curves but the curves being in the right places and looking the right ways and that's something for me that I really have been challenging myself with is like I don't want to be up and down I want to have hips I want to have a butt listen I remember when I was pregnant I was like, this is it. This is my opportunity. I'm going to get hips. I'm going to give birth and I'm going to have the curvy body I was always supposed to have. And then I had a C-section and I was like, (laughs) okay, maybe not. So I will say, I don't, I don't know. Again, I don't think that it's shame, but there is a certain expectation and an unfair standard that I've definitely subscribed to on like how I should present how I should look, especially as a black woman. And also now that I'm getting, you know, you know, really getting into my thirties and really, you know, wanting to tap into my feminine energy more than I have in the past. What does that look like? What does femininity look like for me? How do I want to present? But I really enjoy your, your concept of like living life as performance art because it is, it is when you realize that you are in control, right? Exactly. That's the whole, thing is like you have the choice like you have the choice to create for yourself age personal agency into your beauty standards and while we're told that we should look this way or have curves in these sections who said that we couldn't have it in the way that's natural to us yeah yes it's because they profit off of creating insecurity they profit off of shame yeah that's colonialism and capitalism at its finest colonialism will take our land mm-hmm. and then insert their beauty standards and then capitalism will come in and tell you well here is a product that can make you look like the eurocentricness that we are all selling and then let's go twofold the additional shame us people of color feel like we have to look that one way which is the white way mm-hmm. and then in addition to that when <laughs> when people try to look more ethnic and everything is appropriated then there's double shame because it's like well someone else can get away with thick thighs yep. and a big booty and thick lips but yep. when i had it it was it was told i was told that i was wrong right absolutely and then and then once they do achieve that standard of beauty and they reach the level of success, notoriety, et cetera, then that standard is abandoned. Then it's like, exactly. OK, I I got your attention. I'm going to go back to being wafy. Um, <laughs> so, yes, I, I want to circle back a bit um, because I would I want to say I think that you're the only other single mother that I have interviewed on Cool Moms. So this was, yeah, I know, which is kind of kind of crazy. I think that's, yeah, it's kind of crazy, but also (laughs) really exciting. Um, (laughs) Because I'm like, you get it. Um, So I'm really, you know, we can go in as deep or not as deep as you would like. So you let me know, you give me your boundaries. But I remember that one of the last times we spent time together, you were kind of contemplating divorce. It was something that was kind of like in the ether. 
And that's kind of where we left off. So again, when I started doing my research and my things, and I was like, wow, her life really has changed. Now you've stepped into this role as a single mother. Um, what was that process like in terms of making that really difficult decision? And then, you know, what's what's been your approach in being a solo parent? Yeah, I think, you know, growing in my unibrow allowed me to not only understand all the toxic thinking um, that surrounded me, but also all the toxic relationships. So first by witnessing myself going back to myself, it's like they say you're born, your soul is born pure and it knows everything it needs to know. So we're actually in the process of trying to unlearn all of the narratives that were taught to us. Um, so as I was stripping all these away, I started to then understand, well, if I wasn't in my power and if I didn't value myself, then all the relationships in my life will mirror that too. Mm -hmm. And then I, and that was very painful understanding. I think there was one moment in my life, gosh, it probably was like around 2018 ish, 2019, where I was like, <laughs> I'm surrounded I'm surrounded by narcissists. I'm surrounded by manipulative people. I'm surrounded by takers. I'm, su I'm surrounded by people looking at like my generosity and my loving heart. Um, I look at people that were trying, looking at me like a resource to be pillaged. Mm. Um, so one by one, Elise, I had to remove each relationship out of my life. Um, and, and I did that also for my children, because I also understood that a lot of the experiences I had in my own childhood, um, resulted in me as an adult. And I'm saying that in quotes, because I do feel like I am an adult now, um, and maybe not before, yeah. even though I was technically of age, um, it resulted in me having a view of myself based on those childhood experiences. And I also knew that my children had to see me live in my truth and see me love myself. Right. Like they, children absorb Ugh, everything. We everything. Are. They don't, they don't absorb what we say. They absorb our vibration. Yeah. So if I work on my vibration, then that my children will do that too. So that also was very instrumental in me, like doing the hard work uh, and re and doing that removal of everything from romance, you know, marriage to best friends, to, um, working partnerships, to other activities that I was involved with and organizations to now, I really feel like I have a wisdom council around me, mm. a wisdom council where, um, I am fully aligned with all of the organizations and the activities and the businesses that I want to be involved with. Which and also keep it small and tight, small right? and tight. Yes. Small and tight. And the, and the Scorpio rising in me honestly doesn't trust anyone. Nothing. I think, None of y'all. <laughs> listen. Like, I, I, like I, I love this because like people, I, I realized something about myself. I always thought I was an extrovert and I very much am. However, there's a part of me that likes to be seen and then completely retract. Absolutely. Like, Same. Go like rogue and like not talk to a single person and like rogue. have my own laboratory. I, we align there. I mean, L, cool mom's producer, but also one of my closest friends, um, you know, 
thank God for her because we will talk every day. And so she's able to relay the message that I'm alive <laughs> to people. <laughs> because I go ghost. I love to disappear. Growing up as predominantly an only child for such a long time, I'm very comfortable disappearing into my world and my, my reality that I've created. So I totally feel you on that. And of course, the Scorpio in me, and then the like mama bear in me is like, I don't trust any of y'all. Everyone has ulterior motives. And I also don't think ulterior motives are necessarily always a bad thing. I think if they can be communicated, like I vibe with you, I want to work on this thing with you. I want like, let's just be upfront about what kind of exchange we want to have. It's when people try to do the sneaky, the sneaky, sneaky, you know, the I underhanded know. that, you know, I'm wearing the cloak and I have the dagger. <clears throat> that is, um, that's the energy that I really try to kind of keep away. And something that's interesting about that and how that's really come up for me. So I'm curious um, how that may have manifested for you in terms of building a business. I have have had such a blessing in um, this woman coming into my life who works with me on Cool Moms, but literally contacted me seemingly out of thin air. And this was like maybe a year and a half ago. She sent me a mess, an email. That's what it wasn't even, she wasn't on social media at all, which I was like, mm, Earl, no red flag. I can't do any fact. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> she sent me a really beautiful, vulnerable message about, you know, dealing with postpartum, moving to a new city, not having a community, raising a black son and really wanting to align with like-minded mothers and how much Cool Moms was really this outlet for her um, to be able to connect. Now she wanted to connect and that she really wanted to help me grow the business and didn't want anything from me aside from like community. And I was just like, no, it's a lie. It's a trap. It's a lie. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. I mean, Elle and I would laugh about it all the time because I, it took me like a year to give her our Gmail password because I just, <laughs> I was so stressed. Um, and that comes from past experiences in business partnerships where I really trust right. people, you know, and then people will, will really like the people closest to you, are the people that will do the ugliest, ugliest Ugly. thing, things to you. Um, so I was really traumatized with that experience and many experiences like that. And not until like a couple months ago did I really say, okay, you know what? <laughs> you keep showing up. You keep showing me that you genuinely want to support me. She would let me disappear and then be like, she literally sent me a text after like not hearing from me for a month and a half. And was like, hey girl, it's uh, Scorpio season. I hope you're well. <laughs> Happy birthday. Are you ready to work? <laughs> I was just like, yes, you get me. You get it. You've stayed consistent. Also a Capricorn. We love that good Capricorn energy. Oh, I love that. Yeah. My dad's a Capricorn. Totally. And so I, I was like, okay, cool. Yes. Let's, let's take it to the next level. And so I'm curious about in building Tude, how did you kind of vet your team? Who is your team? How did you build the team? And then also how did you build the trust within the team? Get ready for a seven part dynasty mini <laughs> <laughs> so I built Tude um, for your for your listeners to understand. I was writing, I grew my unibrow in and I thought, what can I do with this understanding of like uh, 
the power I felt and, and, and how I looked and help a new generation kind of understand what diverse faces and like diverse beauty can look like. So I wrote a children's book. I was in the process of writing a children's book. And in that process, I turned to my book agent and I said, I wanted to bundle a complimentary product with a book that would throw colors and crystals on parts of yourself you had in shame. And I looked at my unibrow like a superhero mask. So I thought if children get to paint, and as an artist, I know you can really relate to this, paint their superpower-ness, mm-hmm. right? And that would kind of embody the message and teach a new generation this concept without them needing to unlearn it, right? Back to their power. So she looked at me and said, that's a great idea. And so the way I fell into this is she introduced me, my book agent introduced me to one person that she knew that had helped someone on QVC create a beauty product. Come on, QVC. zero experience in beauty. I knew no one in it and I didn't even know how to get to a lab. So this one person was like the portal that opened me up to this whole experiment. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say in, in a quick way is I had no idea what I was doing and I had to, um, really rely on my gut and my barometer. So I think to your earlier point, the greatest relationship we can do is invest in ourselves because if we trust our intuition, our gut, that will help us be able to discern like who's in it and who's a taker. So from there, you know, she got me into a lab and I was very, I was very focused on, can I create one good product? I didn't even think about the fact that I have a business or a brand or any of the marketing aspects or social media. I wasn't even thinking that I was like, can I just create one product that is completely innovative. That's really about clean beauty because I really feel like there, we have to have non-toxic formulas and non-toxic thinking. And I wanted to really enter an over polluted, saturated space, Mm -hmm. um, with, with actual, with a solution because otherwise what, why would I throw my hat in this very kind of competitive rink? And then when I kind of figured it out within six weeks, I was like, shit, I have something that I have to maybe give birth to, um, that led to like me looking at like who I knew, which was no one, um, and saying, how can I get branding involved? Or like, what's my logo? What's the name of my company? And it kind of like by asking and like creating, I hired the next person and the next person. And then I think I'm here to also say, you have to constantly reevaluate the needs because in a startup mm. phase yeah. in the last two years, I started this in 2019. I mean, every month, month after month, my business needs have changed. So you have to be very flexible and honor the needs of the business and then know your strategic plan. So you can build the staff that helps you um, accomplish your goals. Yes. And so early on, um, after the first year, which was very kind of product development focused, then uh, like after year one, I started getting more into the creative side of things where I'm like, who is a creative team that I can bring on, who can help me, uh, self-actualize my vision. And then I got very creative, uh, heavy this past year, um, where everyone was like focused on creative and I had no true like business mm. people my side. And so like midway through the year, I got more people that were focused on the commercial aspects of the business, which is like, yeah, we can take a cool photo, but if that cool photo isn't selling 
product, then What's I can't the afford point? that cool photo yeah, anymore. Totally. <laughs> you know? So it's like constantly asking yourself, like, what am I trying to achieve and finding the people that can do it. And so now going into 22, I'm in the process of writing my strategic plan. And there's so many in like 11 months, at least, cause we launched January 4th. I can't even tell you what has happened uh, to this brand. It's wild. We have like, um, I had no, I had no business plan written about this. Like I kind of, that's what I mean. Experimental yeah. work. I didn't and write my business plan until this year. So I understand. Okay, so we're aligned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we trust our gut. <laughs> yes. But now, but now I'm like, all right, like this is a full fledged business. And I, I think what I'm most proud about was it's rooted in an authentic story and a story of me um, never having the beauty industry have representation of myself and others of sharing the narratives and the faces um, that are beautiful, but that have always been put to the side because we always focus on Eurocentricity. Totally. And Um, let me just jump in and say, if you all have not seen uh, for everyone listening, the campaign, the beautiful people, the the myriad of people that Tude features and the way that you really not only talk about beauty, but show beauty, I think is so nuanced and so important and just, very cool. Very, very, very Thank cool. Thank you so much. Also the gender fluidity of it, right? Yes. Like who said makeup is only for young girls? Like it's like makeup is for everybody everywhere. So who said a blush goes on cheeks and lipstick goes on lips? Like we are able as we're all creators, we're all artists, we're all able to self-express and these are paints. And I wanted to give people like the creative agency to write their own beauty narrative and however they want. Um, so thinking about also men or gender non-conforming, you know, identities also having the permission to play and experiment is very important to me. Um, also generational beauty, right? Like yes. what are the beauty narratives? It's like, I wanted to create a clean beauty line because not only is it important. And I think, you know, this, when you were, when you were pregnant, how much toxicity is in our products is in everything. <laughs> everything. So I'm like, my daughter, my oldest daughter is 12 now. And it's like, I wanted to feel good about creating something where I could hand her and hand her this like color cream that she can wear on her lips. And I know for a fact that it's vetted and there's no like hormone disruptive chemicals. That's going to make her have issues getting pregnant one day, but at the Literally. same time, I can give it to my mother and not worry about it impacting her at a menopausal state, you know? So that was so important to me too. Like that's my service and responsibility by entering the space because I don't see it out there. It's like be the hero uh, you wanted to find, right? That's like my message yes. to everyone because we all can yes. be. I was so tired of waiting for a brand to step up and show me what an inclusive, diverse world look like. You know what? It's all fucking bullshit performance. It's curated diversity. Even like yes. when they show black women in campaigns, it's like, here's what we define as an acceptable black woman. Yeah. And and we'll put her, we'll cast her in it. And like, she's vetted. No, I want to show everyone. I want to show the, all the unverified Instagram people. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. And like, it makes so much sense. One, um, because it makes me think about when you talk about generational beauty, um, because you know, I have toed, I have some toed and I used it. I do. And I used it, um, 
I actually used it on my mother this Halloween because we went to a Catronata concert and I was like, mom, we have to like, like I'm getting you out the house. She was in LA visiting me and I was feeling, you know, back to the shame thing. I don't really have a lot of shame, but I do have a lot of guilt. Now mm. guilt is well away heavy on me. And so I was feeling guilty because I felt like every time my mother came in town, I was just like, thank God you're here. I'm dumping all of this work on you. Thank you. <laughs> so I was like, next time she comes in town, I really want to show her a good time. I want to make these memories with her. So we, with two of our other friends, went to this Catronata show. My mom was like, now what is Catronata? And my mom's not like old, but she's just like, oh, what is this? Yeah, yeah. totally. And so I was like, mom, if we're going to go out, we got to like do it. I was like, I'm going to do some really fun makeup on you. And <clears throat> I put it on her eyebrows. They gave her a no nice little lick. Oh, yeah. No, we went all the way. We went all the way. And we had such a good time. All of us, honestly, at first we were like a little stiff because the crowd was a bit young. And we were like, oh, maybe we're older than what we thought. Um, <laughs> but we ultimately had the best time. And we like, you know, had our little cocktails. We did a makeup session before we left the house. And it was super fun. And so that's really nice to know. I mean, my mom's going to kill me. She listens to all cool moms. But like my mother also is at a menopausal stage. And I myself recently I'm really coming into this diagnosis of having PCOS and mm. like what does that mean what does that mean for every aspect of my life you know oh. down to beauty which is something I did not honestly even know until last night after I put the beer down and then I worked out I was stretching and I was watching this YouTube video on PCOS and the woman was talking about how she doesn't use perfume every day because of how it impacts her hormones and yes. it really blew my mind because I'm like, I'm not even considering that some of the products I could be using could impact this, okay. this disorder. So Your to speak. endocrine system, that's it. Exactly. Exactly. So that is really, I mean, so thoughtful and important and makes me really happy to know that like all of these things were in consideration um, when building a brand. Cause we all have stuff going on inside and out. It was like, we, I want to do the best. Now, beer wasn't my best choice, but, you know. <laughs> Sometimes a girl's got to do what she's got to do. Wait, do you have the bio glitter too? I don't think so. That's what I, I wonder when you were sent that because, um, you know, in June, we launched the world's first true biodegradable glitter in the world that biodegrades in 28 days or less and it's made out of eucalyptus cellulose oh no i don't have it i don't have oh, it okay i gotta send you the glitter please um, and people don't know that like how awful glitter can be for the environment not something I, that we consider yeah and I, actually as a mom it, the whole inspiration was honoring mother earth and i think like when i was going through building tude i had these like color creams that like i marketed as first a brow color cream only to create a product category that didn't exist to open yes. people's minds about like where makeup can be worn but it's essentially a creamy eyeshadow that can be worn anywhere yeah um, but i had also wanted to launch glitter at the same time and i was already fully had a palette that I was going to launch. And then when I was in testing only at that point, after all that money I spent in creation, creating it, did I understand it's actually made from plastic. So I scrapped that entire investment because yeah. as a mother, I really honor mother earth. And like going back to our earlier point about astrology, like we have to hold her 
always an arcana as a North star for us. So, um, I researched for about, I don't know, a year, Elise, I swear. And then Mm. I found a bio glitter manufacturer in the UK. I bought the raw material. I gave it to my lab and I said, let's kind of do a swap. But what I didn't anticipate is that it was so biodegradable that it melted in the original base that I had created. So another six to eight months and working with multiple labs, I finally kind of cracked the code of this like one swipe feature. And I don't think, and there's so much glitter that's used in makeup and even in not even in like loose glitter form, like in all these eyeshadows that have glitter, it's all plastic. So as someone that has PCO, that's actually you're rubbing plastic on the largest organ, which is your skin. Right. And absorbing plastic. They're telling you don't drink out of a plastic water bottle. Everyone's spreading it all over their body. Yes. Um, so that's why I'm very proud about us at Tude because it's like we're walking the walk and we're also creating things that like big beauty didn't. Why is a single mom of three kids cracking the code of the world's first biodegradable glitter in the world? Like shame on everyone. Right. But of I'm course she is. <laughs> <laughs> shame to motivate right yes we have to save this planet we have to honor mother earth or else none of us will be here and i mean on that note sherry is there anything else that you want to share um specifically about what your hopes and goals are for the future and moving forward i really hope um i kind of want to be the mother to Gen Z beauty. Um, Mm. And I realized something, I realized that I have been living in a vacuum out here in Amagansett. It's a very small town. It's a, it's a summer kind of town. So right now it's quite isolated, but it was architected for me to be out here because I'm in my bubble, a creative bubble where I'm tapped into a portal. I'd never research any quote unquote competition because I don't look at anyone as competition. So in this, in this kind of creative lab, so to speak, I created the world that I always wanted to belong to and that I felt was safe for all. And then what's interesting is, as I come to New York city, for example, a few weeks ago, I came in cause we shot our third campaign. I went to um, Tyrell Hampton had uh, a show um, and I went to his opening and I looked around and kind of to your earlier point about the concert and be like, am I too old? <laughs> I looked around and I was like, holy shit, the world has changed. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit, the world has changed, but this world is toot. And there was a moment where there was like this sense of feeling old did come over, but I was just like in awe, like watching a movie, I was like observing the way people dressed and talked and their, their way that they self-express and the confidence that they have. Um, and they're like, you know, the importance they have on the environment and on ethics and on also like doing the right thing and, and like, not that I believe in cancel culture because I do believe everyone has, should have a second chance, but also like canceling things that are not good. Right. Yeah. Uh, In a way that my generation did not, my generation cared more about like keeping up with the Joneses rather than totally doing the right thing. And then it dawned on me and this actually, this is a beautiful way to end because it dawned on me. And this was the night of the um, lunar eclipse. This was the night of November 19th. So maybe this podcast is me coming to completion on this thought. It dawned on me that maybe I needed to be 
41 years old. And because I have to be the older one and this next generation, this Gen Z generation will help live and embody and like push through this, this world that I want to create for all. And that's mm. the spirit behind two beauty is looking at all of the pain and shame and helping erase it and remove it to allow people to rewild and reclaim and rewrite their beauty narrative and helping a new generation usher that through. So from a generational standpoint, it can be kind of gone. Oh my gosh. I so appreciate you. Like this um, genuinely has been one of my absolute favorite conversations. Oh, thank you. Yes. I really appreciate your vulnerability and I just know that this will resonate with so many people. And um, I'm really excited to see how you continue to evolve and how the work and the things that you share with the world continue to evolve. I think it's really exciting to watch. So uh, on that note, we just have one last little segment and that is um, a community-based question, ask a cool mom. And I'm, I'm excited about this one because we, we've kind of touched on it a bit. Um, this mom hit up my DMs on IG when I like opened up questions and <clears throat> her name is Katrina Pilar D'Souza. She's an artist and mother located in White Rock, British Columbia. Um, originally on the unceded territories of the Sema, now let me get this right, Semamu First Nation, Semamu First Nation. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Okay, period. Let's give it to the ancestors. So she asks, um, do you pass faith on to your child or let them grow and discover their own? And we kind of touched on this a bit earlier, so I'd kind of love your feedback there for Katrina. It's such an interesting question because we just had quote unquote Thanksgiving holiday, which I don't recognize. I look at it as things taken um, day. Okay. And um, my oldest daughter, Scarlett, made some sort of offhanded joke about not believing in God. And I was like taken aback. So I, I paused and I asked her, I said, do you really not believe in God? Because we talk about spiritual things in the house. And I really, um, I really designate all three of my daughters as witches. We're a perfect coven. So I've been mm -hmm. teaching them about the moon cycles and we have our own rituals. And she told me that, no, she does. She was just joking and it was a bad joke and blah, 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 blah. But I really held space for her. And I, and I just was observing how I reacted to that. I didn't have any judgment. I was more out of the curiosity to understand her process and where she stood. So I think for my kids, I can teach them about what makes sense to me. I can teach them rituals about like setting intentions and releasing them tied to new moons and full moons. And I can give them like access to my spirituality. And at the same time, I can hold space for them to come to their own conclusions because we're all individual souls. Yeah. We all have our own journey. And I think as a mother, my only goal is for them to feel loved and seen and safe and for them to self-actualize what they were put on this earth to do. And so outside of that, I never want them to take on any myth or narrative that was put onto them from me or anyone else. Perfectly said. 
couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you. Thank you, Katrina, for the question. And thank you again so much, Sherry, for just showing up as yourself wholeheartedly. I, I really appreciate it. And I'm really, I'm really excited to listen to this one. Yeah, I get really weird about listening to episodes back. <laughs> I'm really excited to revisit this because there's so much here that I know I haven't even fully processed that I know is, I'm sure, meant for me to hear. So thank you. I love thank you, you so thank much. You. And I, I love you too. It's like, I wish I lived near you. Um, but I, I know. Live- we'll see each other soon, I'm sure. Yeah, let's like keep the connection going. And also like, um, if you ever need someone to talk to, you can always call me. I, I really hold you dear in my heart, always from day one. Truly, you're a real one. Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, I appreciate I really appreciate that. Thank you. Until next time. like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom.